Welcome to the sermon podcast of Exodus Church, located in Belmont, North Carolina. For more information about our church and the many ways you can be involved, please go to our website at theexoduschurch.org or email us at info at theexoduschurch.org. If you'll take your Bible and turn to Matthew chapter 6 and 1 Timothy chapter 6, we're going to be in both places a little bit today. Matthew 6 and 1 Timothy chapter 6. Uh, we, we're, we've been in Matthew for some time. We're in a new series starting today called Our King and His Warnings. And what we're going to look at over the course of Matthew six nineteen through the end of chapter 7, Jesus, our King, gives us seven warnings. Three of them are negative. He says, do not do this. Four of them are positive. He tells us what we must do. And as I've been thinking about this series, I've been thinking a lot about just some of our, our story as parents and thinking about our family. And I, I remember early on with our kids, there was a lot of warnings given, a lot of don't do that, a lot of don't go in there, a lot of don't do that to your sister. I remember one time, uh, one of my kids, we, were, we had just gotten a puppy, um, and uh, I, I look out the back door and I see uh, one of my kids with um, his arm around the puppy. And I'm thinking, man, that's so, that's beautiful. Like, that's why we bought that dog. That's awesome. And so, uh, but then I watch a little longer and he's got his arm around the dog and the dog's food is in front of both of them. And I watch as my, one of my boys picks up a piece of food, gives it to the dog, picks up a piece of food and eats it. <laughs> and I'm, and I'm thinking, well, you know, the, the upside of that was he was good finding things for about a week. Okay. But, I'm, I open the door and I'm like, don't eat that. Well, he, my, my son, jumped, you know, just was scared. The dog ran off like because my voice was really loud, but my heart was really kind. Like I, I just didn't want my son eating dog food, right? <laughs> and so as we look at Jesus' warnings here in Matthew 6 and 7, his, his voice is going to be loud. Like he's going to speak pretty directly into some really important things about our lives. But his, his heart is really, really kind. And our hope over the course of these next seven weeks is that we would hear the kindness of our king in the warnings of his word. That we would hear the kindness of our king in the warnings of his word. And today, uh, Jesus is going to warn us about money. He's going to warn us about how we view and think about money. And this should not surprise us that Jesus is warning us about money because Jesus speaks about money more than any other single topic. In fact, this is what one writer said. He said this, Jesus Christ said more about money than any other single thing because when it comes to a man's real nature, money is of first importance. Money is an exact index to a man's true character. All through scripture, there is an intimate correlation between the development of a man's character and how he handles his money. So, how we view and use our money says a lot about us. In fact, uh, every one of us has two accurate theological documents, two documents that if we look at them, we can tell what we value. Those two things are our calendar and our bank account. If you look at those two things, how you spend your time and how you spend your money, it's going to show us what we value. And so Jesus is going to speak into that today. And again, my hope is that we will see the kindness of our king in the warnings of his word. So I'm going to read verses 19 through 24, and I'm going to pray, then we'll jump in. 
Uh, Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal, but lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys, where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. The eye is the lamp of the body. So if your eye is healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light in you is darkness, how great is the darkness. No one can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. Let's pray together. Father, you're so good to us. Thank you that you're so good to communicate to us through your word and to communicate about things that matter in our lives. Uh, and Lord, money, money, and how we view it matters in our lives. So Lord, I pray that you would give us hearts that are open to your word. I pray that you would give us hearts that are receptive to your word and where we feel uh, pushed or pressed, Lord, that you would uh, help us open, open up even more. Uh, Lord, where we need to change, uh, would you give grace for that? Where we need to repent, would you give us grace for that? And uh, Lord, we ask that you would meet with us. Help us see Help us see good things in your word. Help us see your kindness in this warning. Help us see your your kindness and your love, even as we see your warning to us about these things. Help us, Lord, we pray in Christ's name. Amen. So we're going to see three things today. We're going to see that your heart follows your money. We're going to see that your heart follows your master. And then we're going to see that your life follows your heart. Let's start with your heart follows your money. Now, Jesus says this in verse 21. In verse 21, he says, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. He tells us there that your heart will follow your money, but we need to back up and see what he's saying. Look at verse 19. He says, Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal, but lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in and steal. So we have two commands in this passage. We have a do not command, He says, do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth. That's a negative command. It's what we are not to do. And then we have a positive command. He says, lay up treasures in heaven. This is something we are to do. Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth. Lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven. And then notice the reason Jesus gives for these commands. Verse 19, do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth. Why? Because moth and rust destroy and thieves break in and steal. Lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven. Why? Where neither moth nor rust destroys, where thieves do not break in and steal. So do you see, do you see the reason for the command? The, the issue here is not that Jesus doesn't want us to have treasure. It's that he wants us to have lasting treasure. He wants us to have treasure that will last, not treasure that gets destroyed. So do you see his kindness, his kindness to us? He's he's not trying to keep something from us. He's trying to make sure we get something that is lasting. And so Jesus tells us, do not lay up treasures on earth, but lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven. Now, Jesus tells us what to do. He doesn't really tell us what that looks like. He doesn't really tell us how to do that. And so to see that, we need to go to 1 Timothy chapter 6. And I want you to notice how the language in 1 Timothy chapter 6 is very similar to what Jesus is saying in Matthew chapter 6. Look at verse 17 of of 1 Timothy. 
It says, as for the rich in this present age, charge them not to be haughty, nor to set their hopes on the uncertainty of riches, but on God, who richly provides us with everything to enjoy. They are to do good, to be rich in good works, to be generous and ready to share, thus storing up treasure for themselves as a good foundation for the future, so that they may take hold of that which is truly life. Now, Paul is writing this letter to Timothy. Timothy is a pastor in the city of Ephesus. He's leading a church, and Paul tells Timothy how to speak to wealthy Christians. Now, that's important for us to see. He says, as for the rich, and he doesn't say, tell them to give away all their money because they shouldn't be rich. He doesn't tell them to do that. He's he's not saying we should um, do away with rich people. He tells wealthy people what they should do and how they should think about their money. And this is good news for us because everyone listening to this is wealthy. Now, you might not be as wealthy as your neighbor, but in the global economy, you're rich. Let me, let me give you some numbers. I Googled these. If Google's wrong, that's on Google. Okay? Median household income in Gastonia is just under 50 grand. So median household, just under 50 Median household income in Belmont is just over 70, okay? Cramerton, median household income in Cramerton is just over $74,000 a year. The median household income worldwide is $9,733, okay? So we, we are wealthy people. Now, I don't say that to make you feel shame or guilt. Uh, I, I tell you that to feel gratitude, like to be grateful for what God's given us and to help us see ourselves in this passage because every time we see the word rich, we think about people richer. We don't think we're rich. We think there are people who have more than us and that must be what this is about. No, this is about us, okay? Because in the, in the global economy, we are very wealthy people. Now notice what Paul tells Timothy to say. He tells Paul, Paul tells Timothy, uh, what to say to wealthy Christians so that they view their money well. Look at verse 17. As for the rich in this present age, charge them not to be haughty or to set their hope on the uncertainty of riches, but on God who richly provides us with everything to enjoy. So he gives them three ways to think about their money there. First, don't be proud about it. Like your money doesn't define you. Uh, Having more money doesn't make you more special, doesn't make you more entitled. It just means you have more problems. Okay, that's what he's trying to say. Don't be proud. Second, don't trust your money because it's uncertain. Most of us are old enough to remember, uh, or maybe, uh, I guess, old enough to remember 2008 when when the economy went way sideways. And money was gone in a moment, just gone. Stock market plunges, retirement accounts, gone, just gone. What Paul is telling Timothy to tell these wealthy Christians is don't trust money because it's uncertain. You trust your zeros, those zeros can be gone in a heartbeat. They can be gone. And so Timothy is to tell these wealthy Christians, don't be proud about your money, don't trust your money, but the third one might surprise you. Look at what he says in verse 17. Not to set their hope on the uncertainty of riches, but on God, so they're to set their hope on God. Now notice what it says about God, though. Who richly provides us with everything to enjoy. And so Paul wants Timothy to tell wealthy people, 
hey, God gave you this so that you might enjoy it. Now, there's this thing that many of us have where when we get something new and someone asks us about it, we have to do the whole sales pitch about why it was a good buy. Or maybe it's just me that has to do that. I don't know. But like somebody says, oh, I see you got a new whatever. Well, yeah, I got a good deal. I did this. I'd save money. You know, all the reasons why they should be respect, they should respect you for your, your purchase. What Paul is telling Timothy to tell wealthy people is God has given you stuff to enjoy. And it's not wrong to enjoy what God has given you. It's not wrong to enjoy it if we enjoy it in eternal ways. And so he tells them, don't don't be proud about your money. Don't trust your money and enjoy what God has given you. And then he tells Timothy how to tell wealthy Christians to use their money for eternal purposes. Look at verse 18. He says, they are to do good. Not just fund good. Man, for wealthy people like us, it's far easier to write a check than it is to give our time. And Paul tells Timothy to tell wealthy Christians to do good, to serve, to offer their time as well as their money, to be rich in good works, to be generous and ready to share. So we're to to not be proud. We're not to trust our money. We're to enjoy what God's given and we're to invest our money generously in eternal things. And then look at verse 20, verse 19. Thus, storing up treasure for themselves is a good foundation for the future. Do you hear how similar that is to Jesus' words in Matthew 6? So that they may take hold of that which is truly life. Now, let me tell you what this does not mean. This does not mean that we buy our way into heaven. This does not mean that we uh, we are generous so that we can have God's favor. The only way we have God's favor is through the death of God's son on the cross for our sin. That's the only way we get God's favor. You don't earn it by buying stuff. You don't earn it by doing good. You don't earn it by uh, enjoying it. You don't, earn, you don't earn God's favor. It's You don't achieve it. You receive that. And so what this is speaking of is not uh, giving to be saved. It's, it's, a, it's an idea about how to be a steward of what God has granted. Now, flip back to, oh, he says, so that they may take hold of that which is truly life, because your money is not truly life. Jesus is truly life. And when we worship him, when we use our money to worship him rather than using him to get our money, we lay hold of that which is truly life, Paul says. Now, flip back to Matthew 6. Flip back to Matthew 6. So Paul and Jesus give us kind of two ways to understand our money here. First, we can store up treasure on earth. We can proudly trust what we have. We can not be generous with our lives. And we can watch our money waste away on temporary things where moth and rust destroy and thieves break in and steal. That's one way to live. The other way is we can store up treasure in heaven. We can walk humbly with what God has given. We can enjoy what God has given. And we can be generous with what God has given. And what Jesus is saying to us is, do not live for temporary things. Invest God's money in eternal things. Why? Verse 21. For where your treasure is, There your heart will be also. 
Jesus wants us to invest our money in eternal things because where we invest our money is where our heart is. Your money doesn't follow your heart. Your heart follows your money. That's what he's saying. And so he wants us to invest our money in eternal things. Second, he he wants us to know that our heart follows our master. Look at verse 24. He says, No one can serve two masters. For either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. Again, this is a warning from our king, and he's being really kind. He wants us to understand, you cannot serve two masters. You can have two employers, but you cannot have two masters, because a master requires complete surrender of your entire life to that thing. He says, you cannot serve two masters. He also tells us our heart will not be divided. Now, we try to act like it's divided. We try to act like we can play both sides of this. He says, no. He says in verse 24, either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. He says, your heart follows your master. And notice, He doesn't say you will not. He says you cannot. You cannot serve God and money. So this is not a matter of want to. It's a matter of ability. You cannot have two masters. You can have two employers. You cannot have two masters. And your heart will follow your master. That's what he's saying. He says you cannot serve God and money. So how do we serve money? How do we do that? Well, we know how we serve God, right? We trust him. We, we live our lives as if he's the most important thing. We do whatever he tells us to do. That's how we serve God. How do we serve our money? Well, we do the same. We trust it. Some of us trust by spending. We trust money to get us new and shiny so we can feel better about life. Now, the problem with new and shiny is as soon as we own it, it's old and dull. And so we need more new and shiny. And so we're trusting money to give us what we think will give us joy. Some of us trust money by saving it. We think the more zeros we have, the more joy we'll have. The problem is zeros are never enough. We we never have enough savings to feel secure. And so we trust our money to deliver us. Another way we serve money is we live our lives as if money is most valuable. We try to earn enough, save enough, spend enough. We think if we can just have more, that more is the answer to our money problem. And more is rarely the answer to your money problem. It is sometimes, but rarely is more the answer. Just Google stories of lottery winners when you get home. Not right now. Put your phone away. When you get home, Google stories of lottery winners. Just incredibly sad stories of people who got more money than they could have ever imagined and ended up in a worse place. And then when we serve money, we do whatever money tells us we have to do. We sacrifice things we value for something we value more. And Jesus says, you can't can't serve God in money. He wants us to understand our heart is going to follow our master. So if money is our master... We're going to trust it and sacrifice for it. You can't serve both God and money. Your heart follows your master, and your heart will have only one of those. So your heart follows your money, your heart follows your master, and then finally, your heart follows, your heart guides your life. 
So Jesus talks about our, our, um, how to invest our money in the first part, how uh, money and God compete for master of our heart. And then in the middle, there's these verses that seem to not really fit. Uh, maybe if you were studying them in your community group on this week, maybe that's kind of what's was your perspective. It says in verse 22, the eye is the lamp of the body. So if your eye is healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light in you is darkness, how great is the darkness. So what is, what is Jesus getting at here? What's he, what, how does this relate to money? What's going on? Well, the metaphor goes something like this, okay? So the eye is the lamp of the body. And, and the way this lamp is described is not like a flashlight that sends out light, but a window that lets light in. That's what seems to be going on here. This lamp is more like a window. It's the opening through which we see the world, and it's how we perceive and process what's out there. And what Jesus is saying is that the eye affects how we see things. And if our, if our eye is healthy, he says, then your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is bad, then your whole body will be full of darkness. On Thursday, my youngest daughter got her driver's permit. Okay, so this is our life now. And so um, we were on our way from the DMV back to our house, and um, we were driving my truck. And it started raining. Well, I had neglected to put new windshield wipers on my truck because I can just make it, right? Well, it starts raining, and my newly permitted driver is driving in the rain with my bad wipers. And, and it, was, it, was, it was a situation, you know? It was hard to see. What Jesus is saying is, is that when the window of our life gets messed up, the problem is not what we're seeing. The problem is how we're seeing and we start perceiving money through a bad eye, it affects our life. And so when you, when you connect that to these two passages, you, you learn that if God is our master and we're storing up treasure in heaven, then the direction of our life will be full of light, will be a blessing to the world. And if our eye is bad, if money is our master and we're storing up treasure on earth, then the direction of our life will be darkness. We will not live for others. We'll only live for ourselves. And so Jesus wants us to know that our heart's going to follow our money, our heart's going to follow our master, and that our heart guides our life. So how do we apply this? How do we apply this? Well, quick question. Where are you investing your treasure? Where are you investing your treasure? God's word says we can invest our treasure in things that will fade or things that will last. Jesus says, do not, do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy, but lay up for yourselves treasure in heaven where moth and rust will not destroy and thieves will not break in and steal. So where are you investing your treasure? Jesus gives us these two options. Paul tells us what it looks like. And we can boil what Paul says down to two things. First, one of the ways we invest our treasure in eternal things is by enjoying what God has given. Enjoying what God's given. Listen, God's not a miser. He, he, he does not require that you be sad. He does not require that you carry around guilt for what he's blessed you with. He does not require that you be able to answer everyone's objection to how you spend your money. It, it, Paul said... Fix our hope on God who richly provides us with everything to enjoy. 
Listen, it's summertime. Man, if God blesses you and you're able to go on a vacation somewhere, man, let that reverberate into praise. God, thank you for providing this for me. If vacation looks like Goat Island Park for you this summer, like be grateful, enjoy what God has provided for you and let that reverberate up into praise. But it's okay to enjoy what God has provided. It's okay to do that. And when we enjoy it for his glory, we're investing in eternal things. And so make memories. You know, instead of buying stuff that's going to end up in a landfill, like make memories that'll last a lifetime and into eternity. And so enjoy, enjoy. That's one of the ways we can invest our treasure in eternal things is we can enjoy what God has provided. Here's another way. We can invest our treasure in eternal things by being generous. By being generous. By giving. By giving what, uh, at least a portion of what God has given to us. So what Paul told Timothy to tell those wealthy Christians, tell them to do good, tell them to be generous and ready to share, thus storing up for themselves a foundation for the future. One of the ways we can invest in eternal things is by giving to eternal things. Enjoy, like enjoy what God has provided and be generous, be generous. And that starts at the church that you call home. Now, let me tell you a few ways that your giving has eternal impact here at our church. One of them is we support local missions. A portion of the money you give goes to support things locally, like uh, we, we, are, we are heavily invested at North Belmont Elementary School. In fact, their principal has contacted us multiple times and said, hey, we want Exodus to be running point on these things related to serving the people at their school. We invest in a, a ministry called Our Daily Bread here. You hear stuff about that. And all those things are largely because of Amber Diffley's investment in our church and on our staff. She's doing an amazing job. And your giving funds some of those things. A few weeks ago, we had Will Broadus. Another place that your money goes is to support church planting in the U.S. We had Will Broadus come and preach a couple weeks ago. Did an exceptional job. He's a pastor at Green, in Greenville, South Carolina, uh, doing work in an under-resourced community. And, and a portion of the money you give goes to support people like Will. I'm super grateful that we get to invest in eternal things in that way. A portion of your money goes to invest in uh, international church planting. We have a relationship, we have a partnership with Dave and Gloria Furman at Redeemer Church of Dubai. And, and man, you think your experience over the last year has been challenging. Uh, it has been incredibly challenging where they live. Just incredibly challenging. And yet God is at work. They've been sending out church planters into the 1040 window just to, to reach people you and I could never hope to reach. And yet our money goes to fund that incredibly important eternal and then there's some other ways that are not quite as inspiring, like, you know, the lights are on, the air conditioning works most days. You know, there's some things that your money does. Uh, kids are being cared for in Exodus Kids. Students are able to go to camp in a couple of weeks. There are things that, uh, that your money invests, and it's invested in eternal things. 
One of the books that I would recommend to you is a book called The Treasure Principle. It's by Randy Alcorn. And he describes a time in the future when we think about laying up for ourselves treasures in heaven where moth and rust do not destroy. When we think about storing up a foundation for the future, he, he talks about this, the, the, the experience that he longs for when we, when we go to be with Jesus in the new heaven and new earth, where we get to finally hear the stories of how our money got invested in eternal things. Where we get to finally hear the, the beautiful story of how God has used what we have generously given. And that, that'll be a beautiful thing because we'll finally be able to see, to see it. How our giving has been used for God's glorious purposes. And so, are you investing your treasure? Where are you investing your treasure? Are you investing in places that won't last? Are you, or are you investing it in eternal things by enjoying what God has given and being generous with what God has given? And so here's what I want you to do sometime this week. I want you to take the most, one of the most accurate theological documents that you have, your bank account or your budget, credit card statement. Take that and I want you to ask two questions, honestly. First, I want you to ask, am I gratefully enjoying what God has richly provided? Am I enjoying what God has provided? Or do I constantly think I need more? Or am I terrified to spend money? Am I, graciously, am I gratefully enjoying what God has richly provided? Am I enjoying it? Am I grateful? Second question. Am I generously giving what God has entrusted to me? I think if you look at how you spend, if we look at how we spend our money and we ask those two questions, we'll learn a lot about our heart. And your heart's going to follow your money. Your heart's going to follow your master. And your heart's going to guide your life. And so what do you do if you ask those two questions and, uh, number one, you don't like what you see about your money? Well, um, there uh, we've got a class that we offer in the fall called Financial Peace University. It's going to help you think about how to use the money that God's granted to you. You could take that in August. It's one way. One way you could address what you see. Well, what if, what if I feel really bad about it? Like what if I what if I get loaded up with guilt and loaded up with shame and loaded up with condemnation? What if I what if I can't shake that? Well, here's what I would say. If money is your master, it will never die for you. It will always ask you to die for it. But Jesus is our master, the only master who died so that his slaves could be free. And so if you're looking at your budget and thinking, man, I, I, I don't feel like I'm being faithful, then bring that to Jesus. If you look at your budget and think, man, I'm not grateful, bring that to Jesus. If you're looking at your budget and thinking, I, I'm not investing in eternal things, I'm throwing it away on temporal things, bring that to Jesus. Because he's the only master who died so that his servants could be free. And he didn't die so that you could carry around shame and guilt. He died so that there would be no more condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. 
Jesus says, where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Where are you investing your treasure? Let's pray together. Father God, thank you for your, for your goodness to us. You're so good. You're so good to speak into areas of our life that we might wish you didn't, um, but you're kind and you do. And so, Lord, I pray that even as we think about how we are spending and investing the money that you've granted to us, I pray that you would give us just a lot of grace. Give us grace to receive. Give us grace to repent. Give us grace to follow you in faithful ways. We need We need your grace to follow your word. So help us, Lord. Help us. We pray all this in Christ's name. Amen.